0: pocket dog media studios here in lovely cleveland ohio this is the edifice of our demise hello all and welcome to the edifice of our demise the show that takes a loving and longing look at the harbingers of our own doom i'm your host rich draffolino and joining me he's the tyson of tirades the klitschko of conniption and the butterbean of bluster ladies and gentlemen ben weinberg ben welcome to the show How can I not help but be flattered by that introduction? (laughs) Listen, I listed two boxers that have at least had moderate to severe amounts of success. And one who is
1: known for being a complete parody of his own self.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you think of any other sport where someone can have a career? I mean, he has had multiple careers in boxing, MMA. He's made money. But purely, he's like the um, the um, Harlem Globetrotters of uh, martial arts. But is he actually a fighter? Yeah, like he. I mean, I would imagine every single bout that Butterbean has uh, (laughs) is a kind of a parody uh, or pity or celebrity uh, match, just to get people to watch. Like the only reason you watch is because you want to see a 350-pound guy try and box like that, like and just like get hit because he's physically incapable of dodging anything. But, uh, he, I mean, he legit, he boxes in legitimate competitions, or at least he used to. I think right now it's mostly on, like, an exhibition uh, status. Yes, well. Be that well, as it may, I guess, we, I guess we need to go on from the show after we ground it from a halt breaking down the appeal of Butterbean. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to get into a little doom or duh, Ben? Duh. Oh, wait, I hit the doom button. All right, Ben, first up on Doom or Duh, it gets a little political uh, up in here. I hope you're ready for it. Sure. All right, we have uh, speculation that Michael Bloomberg might possibly run for president as a third-party candidate. Doom or dumb? Doom, because
1: why? I mean, (laughs) it seems like, isn't he pretty socialist?
0: He's, like, socialist but still likes rich people, right?
1: Yeah, so, like, who... I feel... I, I don't know. It seems like... It's a little late to declare your intention there, son.
0: Yeah, I don't know what kind of ground game you could get uh, in place. I mean, he's a smart guy. Clearly, he has a super rich, he's super rich, knows how the media works uh, because he's a big part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't put it past him to at least make some kind of successful run, but I can't see him being anything more than like a Ross Perot candidate where he gets a surprising amount of the vote, but actually has no electoral impact. On the election, I think the idea uh, what I was reading, the idea being that he was concerned that Donald Trump may uh, attract some like business friendly support because he as he constantly reminds us is, quote, a businessman. And so a lot of the things that would make people appeal to Trump that he's not uh, held to moneyed interest or he's not uh, or he's an independent and, you know, he knows how to do business also applies to Bloomberg. The problem that I read (laughs) is that less than half the people surveyed knew who he was.
1: Oh, that's surprising. I yeah, guess they well, Northeast elite types.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you're, you're East Coast liberals. I mean, you know, that's how it is.
1: So who would he... Would he I, I think he would siphon
0: more votes away from the Democrats, right? That's what the, a lot of the uh, polling, uh, at least initially on upon the idea, would go. Although it all depends on how he spins his campaign because he can kind of be a little bit of a chameleon. Again, because he has a ton of money, he can spin himself however he thinks is best. And also... Not being a, I mean, he's nationally known, but he's not a huge national name. I think for a lot of for the lot of the flyover states, so he can spin himself. uh, I'm sorry, I'm in the Midwest. A lot, he can spin himself in a lot of different directions. I guess. Also, no one will take him seriously. So, I I guess, like, I I can't possibly take him seriously as a candidate. Although I said the same thing about Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders.
1: Well, but since. So many people object to the extremes on both sides. Do you think people would vote for a a guy in the middle out of protest? Like, my dad has been doing that probably forever, my entire (laughs) life, just because. Uh, And, uh, I mean, do you think because the two sides are so extreme that somebody in the middle, even if the voice of protest who is not being – isn't even pushing for you to to attempt to take him seriously, but just as saying, like, hey, I'm not either of these extreme nutcases – some people might vote for them. Do you think that person would garner record
0: support? I think if he had a little bit... Like, if it was... If Jeb Bush decided not to run initially, like, he had never put his name in for the Republican nomination, mm-hmm. saw what was going on, and saw that, you know, there's a ver- there's a distinct chance, not a non-zero chance that Donald Trump could get the nomination, and he stepped in maybe as a third party, maybe because of the name recognition, and he possibly has an extensive ground game. I mean, the other big issue for Bloomberg is... Being a third party candidate, you have to like really work to get on a ballot on a lot of states and having absolutely no ground game. And, you know, not exactly like it's not like he has this huge swell of fervent supporters like in the wings waiting to make this happen. So I don't know how he even gets on the ballot in a lot of like if he has time to even get on the ballot. on a lot of like other as at a right end. So that to me is why I can't possibly take it seriously as like a legit challenge. Yes, I agree. The question
1: is if it adds just of an uh, enough of the Ralph Nader effect to fuck everything up for everyone. Yeah,
0: I mean, and then then I don't think that's in that's what he, that's not what he wants. Like I don't I don't know why a guy like that, other than he has more money than God. So what does he care? Yeah. Uh, than to try and run if it's just going to muck it up for the people who we seemingly would be interested in seeing win. Yes. All right. Next up, keeping with the uh, uh, political uh, uh, theme. Someone created a programming language as an act of satire against Donald Trump, titled Trump Script. Programming languages as social commentary. Doom or duh. Doom because no one can even read it to
1: see what's happening. Who is he <laughs> writing this for? And what does it do? And what the- program does it does it?
0: It runs off of uh, Python code, which is uh, one of the more popular uh, operating systems or uh, programming languages, I'm sorry, uh, out there. And it basically just takes a lot of those principles and applies a lot of in jokes to programmers like because Trump is against immigration, you can't uh, import uh, any libraries into Trump script. Uh, it doesn't deal with any integers less than 1 million uh, because why would you do something halfway? Same reason it doesn't address uh, floating point units and stuff like that. So it's a lot of nerdy in-jokes about uh, how much of an ignorant person Donald Trump is. Although supposedly because, again, it's based on Python, you can't actually get script to – like actual programs to run. It's just – it has a kind of absurd restrictions about it.
1: Is it like an OS? Like what d- program does it
0: control? It doesn't pr- control anything. You're, a programming language is – like you create programs with that language. Oh, I see. Yes. So it's like,
1: and nothing useful can be made out of it, I'm assuming.
0: Uh I mean you would really have to work. I don't I haven't seen anything in any of the articles highlighting this, uh, if anyone has yet, but the, the a lot of the nuts and bolts are there. It's whether you want to spend the time working against something that's meant to be kind of willfully obtuse to make something functional based on a joke.
1: So this is just another example of hipsters being too smarmy for the. Rest of the world.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was created at, like in twenty hours, so I mean, you know, p- there was a limited amount of snarky commitment to it. I see. All right, next up on Doom or Duh, Ben. I don't know if you've been watching uh, the SNL, but uh, this is like kind of their prime time for political coverage. Did you see yes. uh, uh, Tina Fey return as Sarah Palin last night? Yes, I did. Alright, you will also notice that Daryl Hammond was uh, doing his best Donald Trump. Doom or duh, Ben? Daryl Hammond's Donald Trump impression being merely okay? Well, I'm going to go with duh. Okay.
1: Um, Because, you know, he's not actually in the cast. He's just the announcer now. I understand. And they seem to be springing on him because the men in the cast are so uh, woefully inadequate <laughs> that they have to turn to the only guy who even has anything. But I would say the doom, the fact that... The cold opens, perhaps the most uh, widely seen part of the entire 90 minutes, involve nobody in the principal cast.
0: <laughs> oh, that is... <laughs> I didn't even think about that, Ben. That's pretty brilliant. All right, some non-political coverage on Doom or Duh here. A robot that can physically solve a Rubik's Cube in under a minute. Doom or Duh? I'm going to go with Duh. It would seem like the, the app's... Uh, to do
1: useless things are ubiquitous now. (laughs) And so you've created a robot to do a thing that, A, has a scientific um, way to solve it, and, two, is completely unnecessary if you choose not to solve it. So you're building a robot to do something that's completely unnecessary?
0: That seems both obvious and inevitable. All right, Ben, next up on Doom or Duh. A musical about Bill Gates and Steve Jobs coming to Broadway. Doom, or duh. Doom, but I want to know more. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's I believe it's called Geeks, and it's supposed to uh, go over the um, conflict between Bill, obviously Bill Gates and um, Steve Jobs, uh, regarding you know uh, all throughout the 90s, uh, and all. I'm looking it up, which is why I'm kind of stumbling here. Uh, mu- not musicians, musicals. Uh, basically, it's taking a moment in pop culture and trying to exploit it with mediocre music. I'm assuming I don't know anyone that's involved in it. It's called Nerds, which already makes me hate it. And uh, the subtitle is the S- Bill vs. Steve musical dot comedy. So it's kind <laughs> of trying to make me hate it. In every meaningful way. It seems like something out of a Douglas Copeland book. Like, this would be the sign of society falling apart that the main character is trying to rebel against. I feel like, in a lot of ways.
1: Is this even purporting to be factual in any way? Uh, Well, I mean,
0: Bill Gates and Steve Jobs were real people.
1: But were they actually friends? Did they ever exist in the same sphere?
0: Oh, yes. They had uh, extensive um, business dealings with one another. Um, Microsoft was one of the first uh, software vendors for the Macintosh and a lot of early Apple. It was like one of the big selling points of early Apple hardware is that they could run uh, Microsoft productivity stuff. I see. Oh, Oh, it's going to include onstage holograms projection mapping which i feel like is just another way of saying onstage holograms yes and enhanced theater going experience through app integrations that allow users to interact with the set and other audience members choose the show's ending and more features to be announced soon well then
1: one second i'm just going to add this to my list of reasons to die
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean musicals exist within their own bizarre cultural sphere like there were Conventions there that make sense within musical theater that seem silly or absurd, or there's both a a weird sense of restraint and lewdness that kind of goes throughout musical theater in, in very bizarre ways. Being super technically innovative isn't one of those theater culture things. And I can't imagine this is well. You never know. Actually, I, I bet it's going to run for 10 years and people will think it's, you know, a revelation or whatever, but... Uh, cause I give I can you never cats. Predict. Yeah. <laughs> I knew cats, but with geeks. Uh You know, it, uh, as long as... If only Andrew Lloyd Webber were writing it, then if, it were truly being magical. If only. Is it a comedy? Um. Well, it says it uh, musical.comedy, so I'm assuming... I mean, okay. most musicals generally tend to lend themselves outside of, like, Les Mis. Because you Uh, can't take them seriously? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Well, I mean, you know, there is something patently ridiculous about something breaking into song at a certain point, so it's hard not to poke fun at at itself after a while.
1: It reminds me of uh, Mark Hamill on The Simpsons as, uh, well, what was he in? Guys and Dolls
0: or something? Oh, yes, but where he doesn't sing Guys and Dolls just comes out with a lightsaber and whacks over gangsters. Right, he participates in Guys and Dolls as Luke Skywalker. I prefer the uh, Planet of the Apes musical.
1: Oh, yes. With Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Uh, next up on Doom or Duh, Quentin Tarantino declaring The Intern as one of 2015's best films. Doom or Duh? I have to assume he's doing this ironically. Uh, he is not. He is on record as saying he enjoys romantic comedies. Doom or oh, Duh, the Ben?
1: Intern. Doom. I thought, okay, I was confused. I thought, I thought you were talking about the one with um, Vince Vaughn
0: and Owen Wilson? That's The Internship, Ben.
1: Oh, clearly I'm not up on my schlock. <laughs> this is the one with uh, Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro? Yes. Oh, definitely Doom. And speaking of Robert De Niro, have you seen the previews for Bad Grandpa?
0: Bad Grandpa, like, spiritually makes me, like, vacant inside. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I can't, ex- I, like, have emotions after watching that because at first, like, the, the first reaction is obviously, like, disgust, annoyance, but... Everything about that... If it was just called... First of all, a movie called... What is it? Dirty Grandpa? Or uh, I think it's it's, bad there's Grandpa. There's Bad Grandpa and Dirty Grandpa, right?
1: Maybe it's Dirty... Dur- I don't know. It's one of those. It's the oh, De Niro right, Grandpa film. Yes, you're right. It's Dirty Grandpa. D- bad bad grandpa, grandpa was the is jackass movie. Explicably... Because Bad Grandpa actually already existed.
0: Because, because some exec wrote Bad Grandpa, and then like the next week that movie came out when it was in development, they're like, uh, all right, Dirty Grandpa, whatever. Um, But yeah, the... Like, if it was just called Dirty Grandpa, okay, horrible movie title, I can deal with that maybe if it's like, you know, some... Okay, if it's like a body comedy or whatever. Robert De Niro in a film anymore at all automatically makes me depressed because I know no shits were given during the entire production of that. Add in, like, a fading Zac Efron, like, trying to remain relevant somehow in culture, uh, clearly an uninspired script. uh, Just, there, there is absolutely nothing that can make me feel anything other than just empty inside by seeing the previews for that. How is like why is De Niro in this movie? I mean, you
1: have to figure he has been in at least 4 of the best movies ever, right? <laughs> like he's he needs no help on his resume. He has millions and millions of dollars. How can what are they doing to convince De Niro to
0: participate in this stuff? Maybe a little De Niro. Ah, huh? see what um, I did there? Let's move on. <laughs>
1: No, no, no. If you have thoughts I'd like to hear them, but just don't ever No, do I anything. I mean
0: other than uh uh it's either a he knows the director and it's like a paid vacation to some tropical resort and he gets to, you know, he films for 2 weeks and gets to go on vacation doesn't shoot more for more than 4 hours a day. That's usually how cynical I am whenever I see uh, like a Sandler film or like a just a lazy comedy. I just assume it's like a tax break and they get to go on vacation for free somehow. Uh but if you look at um, like clearly he's not a uh a discerning uh, actor anymore. I don't know why, but uh, let's see. Last Vegas Grudge Match. Um, the yeah, Grudge big,
1: Match for me was the one
0: where he jumped the shark. The Big Wedding. That may be a good film. I just never heard of it. Never um, heard of it. Yeah. New Year's Eve. Uh, Limitless might be one of the better films that he's been in in the past five, six years. And also, uh, I believe he's been, in, he was in that movie for about four minutes. Okay. Uh, Little Fo- well, everyone was in, uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm thinking of New Year's Eve, everyone was in that movie for four minutes. Uh, yeah. But uh, Little Fockers, of course, the classic uh, 2010 film. Uh, yeah, and going back, Righteous Kill, we all remember that classic. Uh, so, I mean, it seems like he's just going to show up wherever there's a paycheck and he doesn't have to work that hard. I guess, which just seems so sad. Well, either It always makes me think, though, we, we put these artistic aspirations on actors because we're inspired by their work. We see them, uh, you know, if they put out something iconic. And we I, I think a lot of times we put pressure... We need them to be greater than they are when in actuality they're, you know... I mean, you're an actor. You are certainly uh, are capable of art, but not everything that you have to do has to be art. And I feel like a lot of actors are just like, well... I'm an actor, I act. I'm going to be in things because this is what I do, this is what I know. Not everything needs to be, you know, uh, uh, the godfather or something like that, even though he's in the worst godfather. (laughs) (laughs) True. Okay. All right, and finally, Doom or Duh, a labyrinth sequel being announced mere weeks after David Bowie's death. Doom or Duh? Doom, but, well...
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Doom. I mean, it, it, it can't, that it has to be a money grab, right? Like, it can't be the
0: same. Well, I, I, I'm not surprised that a sequel to Labyrinth is being created because it came out in the 80s. It has, like, this uh, uh, pop culture um, you know credit to it that it's this, again, beloved franchise. It's going to appeal to people that are now going into, like, late 30s, early 40s that have their own kids so that they can bring to it. Like, this is cynical mind-talking, so it's like, okay, there's an automatic audience that you can exploit there. The fact that it was announced after David Bowie died clearly is to get attention. I have to imagine that it was already in the works, that they're not, like, booting this up from scratch just because it's like, oh, so there's some name recognition because death, let's do this.
1: I guess. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like since Tupac apparently is still making albums... (laughs) I I have to take every celebrity post death
0: project with a grain of salt. Uh, Sub apocalypse, or, or let's uh, let's do a uh, full on apocalypse check for this. <laughs> Who is going to have the more extensive posthumous um, uh, catalog of material? Is it going to be Tupac, Bowie, or Dylan whenever he dies? Huh. I'm
1: gonna, gonna have to go with Tupac because. <laughs> It seems like he's been dead for, this will be 20 years, right? Yeah. And he's still making albums and
0: reappearing in her, in hologram form? Yeah, I- it, it's, it's quite impressive. I mean, and the other thing, like thinking of Dylan, he's already put out like every single thing that's ever been put on tape by anyone. Like it right. seems like there's 9,000 copies of the basement tapes or whatever, you know, the bootleg series that they keep coming out with on Columbia. So I'm not... I don't know how much is going to be left in the vault whenever he goes, but, uh, I mean, he's a famously prolific artist, so who knows?
1: Yeah, and some of these guys have have a bunch of stuff in the vault, uh, like you say, and, you know, they remix it or they put it back together or whatever. But uh, Tupac, after 20 years, like, they can't keep finding stuff, right? Like, at a certain point, they're either digitally mimicking his voice or he's actually just, like, hiding out in a basement in Fresno. Well,
0: here's the thing. He put a lot of stuff on tape. So technically, he's probably said every sound within the English language. So they can just slice and dice that up to get him to say whatever he wants. He's going to be rapping about Snapchat next year because, you know, they can uh, just rip apart every single word that he's ever said and put it back together.
1: Isn't there some recording where somebody was singing with Conway Twitty? I am sh- I have no doubt that that occurred. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure recently they made a recording between like... Uh, I forget who it was some there's some country star that like just recently recorded a duet with Conway Twitty who has been dead since the 70s. (laughs) I mean, there's there. So I guess you're right. I guess you no longer need to exist to rip off uh, other
0: people's media as long as there's some approximation of the idea of a known entity putting out something, then it's fine. It will, we'll buy it, we'll consume it, and that kind of goes into um, one of the, uh, the other items on the Apocalypse Check, but the real item on the Apocalypse Check this week. I just saw an article uh, on The Verge that said new music sales for the first time in history were outsold by old music sales, old music sales being anything 18 months or older. Uh, so Ben, sign that music will forever uh, begin an inward-looking spiral to the point of the apocalypse or simply a change within the music industry writ large. I hope it's just a change within the music
1: industry at large, finally recognizing that everything sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Because all pop music is about um, people being selfish and how awesome they think they are and how beautiful and how they rock this stuff and all the cool things that they do and lifestyles that you should want to emulate. And uh, it's all being uh, sampled and repurposed anyway. So why not just go back and listen to the source?
0: All right, So, but Ben... You, I, 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 have to ask. You're not a fan of pop music in general at any point,
1: um, or like top be, forty stuff. That would be correct. I, I I'm more, uh, I have more venom to it now than let's say in the '90s, mm-hmm. when at least what was considered pop
0: music involved instruments. So, but Since, okay, yeah, wh- like okay. when when was the last like you know like top forty pop that you would consider tolerable? Nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> very negative. You lady. have a very sp- okay. Well, okay, but doesn't that fall within like the alternative, uh, like the end of the alternative craze. In that case, never. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, going something back to you know, like um, uh, I don't know, like sixties Wall of Sound, like doo-wop, Does any of th- like do you do you can at least enjoy that as like a historical artifact, or does that seem vapid? Just as vapid to you as stuff that's being released today. No, no, because then you're talking about people who
1: actually put thought into the music and used instruments and composed it and made it for a particular theme and with a particular message, and I feel like today it's it's too commercial, man. So uh, <laughs>
0: They're all sellouts, man. I do
1: like the 90s as a genre, mm-hmm. which is sad that like the decade is now its own genre because it's so <laughs> uh, chaotic and unfocused, but there's a... Uh, not only an evolution to 90s music, but if you go back to the beginning, it's more synthy still with the uh, vestiges of the 80s glam pop. Mm-hmm. And as you get sort to- toward the uh, middle of the decade, there's some crossover grunge that made its way toward the uh, pop end of the genre. And as you get uh, closer to the 2000s, you get into the boy band-type sentimental crap, which I never cared for, but at least it evokes a bygone era in which, uh, you know, uh, you could throw heartfelt platitudes on the radio and at least you were supposed to like it because it was honest and emotional as opposed to like it's, i don't even know i don't even i couldn't even i can't even tell you five people today they're considered pop artists but if you even flip around the channels they will be talking about uh, drinking, specifically pouring Bacardi in a pool, mm-hmm. or they'll be talking about uh, driving some kind of, uh, I believe they call it a whip. <laughs> uh, Thank you for pronouncing the H. Yes. Uh, busting caps in asses.
0: I, perhaps, I feel like that's a little bit of a misnomer.
1: Is that a misnomer? Okay. Well, fine.
0: Busting caps in rear views. Thank
1: you. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, it's very, it's completely self centered. Like even an in sync era boy band trafe. They were singing about someone else, and now they're all singing about how awesome they are, and it's just, it makes me want to yell at them as they run across my driveway.
0: Does that make me sound like an old man? (laughs) Ben, everything you say makes you sound like an old man, but that's why we have you on the show. I would say, in terms of laziness, I always try and think... We're, a lot of times we're lazy. Some just fell off my desk there. Oh, a lot I thought of times, that was a sound effect. I didn't know what you were trying to say. It was a very, uh, very intense sound effect. I think a lot of times, you know, we ascribe laziness to pop music today because we have these tools available, but... It's not like those tools were available in the 60s or 70s or 80s, and they just chose not to use them. They, you know, the, the, the limits of technology were such that the only way you could put out music is if you had to play the instrument. So I feel like if those te- same technologies were available, people would still be using them as long as people wanted to hear them. You're always big on intentionality, Ben. So I right. feel like we we can't judge the intention of what pop music would have been given the same technology within, you know, maybe a different social. Uh, uh, construct. So, I, you know, it's hard to say how lazy people, you know, are today versus, you know, 30, 20 or, or more years ago, just because the, the situation of how music is made has been completely changed. I just wanted to see I, and kind of one rebuttal to that, I guess, would be I'm not a huge fan uh, uh, of her, but I, I appreciate the, what she does. Adele, I think, is kind of uh, a rebuttal to a lot of the vapidness of a lot of pop music. Not to say that you know she's doing something that's groundbreaking or she's writing these you know uh, you know amazing uh, poems or or anything like that. I mean it's pretty traditional pop stuff, more in the Tony Bennett or like singer songwriter yes. like classical uh, crooner almost kind of way. Except she has uh, uh, you know the vocal push to uh, to make it uh, really compelling. But you know you're not seeing. I would say, overproduced stuff. She definitely has writing credits on every single track on, you know, maybe she's not the sole writer, but she's in there writing stuff. And I'm looking at, you were saying um, something like the boy band craze of the 90s, at least there were like heartfelt platitudes there, but those were all written by 40-year-old Scandinavian guys in a songwriting factory. You know, they were popping out hits and selling them to the highest bidder. You know, I'm looking at um, the uh, probably the most famous uh, or one of the more famous uh, boy band albums, syncs, No Strings Attached. On there, I don't see one writing credit by uh, any of the members, you know, or I'm sorry, I see uh, Space Cowboy, in parentheses, yippee-yee-yay, was uh, (laughs) partly written by J.C. Chavez, so... Uh, how it looks like we forget. <laughs> we, all, we all love Space Cowboy.
1: I remember where U-P-E-A. I was when I first heard that about that song and it was two seconds ago.
0: <laughs> but you look at Adele's 25 and she, again, she has uh, writing credits on every single song in there. You could argue, you know, how how real those are. But, you know, in terms of paying royalties, at least she's entitled to she gets writing credit for those. So, you know, I think uh, that's a little bit of a rebuttal. And given that she has the best selling album over you know a, a certain period of time in music history i think a lot of it uh, the, the, in terms of the the stat that old music is outselling new music has to do that streaming isn't taken into effect in there and that when people want to hear new music they see that you know an artist has put out something the the de facto spot people are going now is streaming As opposed, or it's at least becoming a bigger and bigger part, about to become a majority, as opposed to going online and buying something on iTunes or buying the album on iTunes right when it first comes out, which makes Adele's success kind of even more remarkable, although she kind of juiced it by not putting it out to streaming right away. So it's a little bit of a chicken and egg there. Well, how are
1: they doing this, like per capita? Because obviously, if you take all of the music older than 18 months, there's just such a massive catalog of that as compared to what is considered 18 months or newer. So mm-hmm. they can't just say like new music sold X number of units and old music sold X number of units, right?
0: Because it's there's so I much mean, more I mean,
1: of the old stuff. So that would seem to not be.
0: This is according accurate. to the um like the the what what are the record labels left the big three or the big four record labels looking at sales of their back catalog eighteen months or older versus anything newer than eighteen months, and generally new music leads all sales. I mean, you have to figure even like you know legacy acts that have huge followings. You, they're still not moving that many units any given week versus new music. I see. Well, it would seem to
1: speak to the streaming, as you say, but also just the fact that um, you it's its easier to get old music. You can buy a piece of it or uh, I imagine there is uh, like a scale to use it in something like in a if a song is played in a TV show or something mm-hmm. that probably gets cheaper, you know, when it's not brand new. And thus, you know, you hear it somewhere or you hear, you know, in this you know, while you're shopping, or you hear it somewhere else and then uh, look it up and then go buy it. I mean there's there are other lives for older songs that way and you can buy them in pieces as opposed to, you know, buying a new album. So I the proliferation of ways to get the media would seem to help out with that. But I have to think that it's primarily because ninety nine percent of new music at least what's considered pop music, is complete garbage.
0: I think it's also kind of goosed by the resurgence of vinyl and that the fact that there is, you know, older music was probably more likely to be on vinyl, although I'm pretty sure anything that gets released today gets the at least a perfunctory vinyl release. So I think vinyl is also pushing the old music number a little bit. I see. So once again, it's all the hipsters' fault. I mean, hipsters, millennials, take your pick. Uh, Goddamn millennials. I mean, without them, though, could we have a show about the coming apocalypse? I suppose you're right. Do you see if if they incorporate streaming numbers into you know this study in terms of what people are listening to, old versus new, and we see that massively people are like this is just speculation on my part. I'm not saying this is evidenced by anything, but that there's like a huge uh, preponderance of new music being on streaming versus old stuff, and it kind and it very much balances the book in terms of what people are actually listening to turns out much more weighted to new music, would that turn the tables a little bit? In terms of perception? Because, I mean, it sounds really bad that old music outsells new music.
1: Well, I I don't know, because to purchase something is to say that, like, this is worth me having. Like, it's worth this amount of money for me to have this whenever, whereas uh, how many streaming plays or whatever are just people like oh i'll check this out because it's popular and then you never listen to it again so it seemed to be like repeat streams
0: maybe okay so if there's like a stickiness to the stream yeah I think they have some kind of formula where like so many streams like is the equivalent to one purchase i think they put they, they use that formula for the billboard charts to determine singles now okay so th- that there may already be some kind of metric for the the stickiness of a stream i see so I'm, I can tell it's really exciting. <laughs> 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 All right, Ben, are you ready for a little quiz time? Oh, yes, of course. We got a fantastic BuzzFeed quiz here. Uh, if you've never listened to the show before, and why would you? Uh, the BuzzFeed has a odd preponderance to uh, come up with quizzes that freakishly mirror reality with Ben. And so we want to see if this can keep going. I have a quiz here. We know your favorite celeb based on your least favorite celebs. Ben, are you confident in its results?
1: Wait, so you're going you're gonna to ask me about my least favorite celebrity preferences and it's going to tell me who my favorite celeb is? Yes. Now, uh, side note here, I think you probably already know the answer. Are you
0: confident that this quiz will uh, predict? All right, so I'm going to say, okay, favorite celeb. I'm going to assume that I'm going to keep this outside the realm of sports, even though those are definitely celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to go with someone either in music or uh, in, in the acting realm. I'm going to mm-hmm. say Tina Fey would be your favorite celeb. Uh, you would be correct. So okay. so this is, this is what we're going for. We're going for Tina Fey. Yes. Okay. All right, so which is your favorite or, I'm sorry. Which lady is your least favorite? Okay. We got a list here. We of course have Demi Lovato. Okay. Anne Hathaway. Okay. Kim K. It's Kardashian. Oh. Yeah. All right. Ariana Grande. Oh, this is tough. I know. Miley Cyrus. Oh no. Rihanna. Ugh. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. Oh, I get. How could I choose? Mariah Carey. Hmm. Taylor Gee, Swift, uh, yeah. Angelina Jolie, Paris Hilton, Nicki Minaj. Oh, is that it? That, that is the complete list. Okay. A, you know, there's a, there's a lot of a chaff to cut through here, but I, I'm confident in your ability to have least favorite celebs, Ben. I will have to say anything Kardashian. Okay. We're going Kim K. All right, Ben. Second part. Which dude is your least favorite? I apologize for the use of the word "dude." Yes, but uh, it's going to be okay. All right, first up, strong off the bat, Adam mm-hmm. Sandler, mm-hmm. Kanye West, okay, Justin Bieber, uh huh, Chris Brown, okay, Ben Affleck, okay, Ricky Gervais. Oh no, he seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> James, he's just an asshole. James Franco, mm-hmm. uh huh, Adam Levine, Shia. LaBeouf, Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix, Samuel L. Jackson. Who doesn't like him? I, I don't know. And Tom Cruise. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Bieber. Okay, go with the Beebs. You got Kerry Washington, Ben. I don't. Uh, I don't think. I think BuzzFeed has let us down. The, I mean, <laughs> the fantastic Kerry Washington. I like her stuff. Oh yes. But uh, I don't I don't know uh, if we can say this is positively accurate. Yes.
1: Now is there a, a uh, there must be a finite number of options,
0: right? I'm assuming. Well, I mean, there are twelve uh, for each. You know, so I'm, I'm assuming yeah. there's a, l- a bare minimum. 24 answers, right? I, I guess. I mean, technically there's way more. It's, what, 12 times 12, right? I'm assuming... 100, there's, 144. Yeah, I'm assuming there's way less than in actuality, because I'm assuming people that make BuzzFeed quizzes are profoundly lazy. Yes. Uh, however, um, uh, yeah, wow, a little bit... Disappointing. A, a little bit of a disappointment. Although, Disapp- I mean, I mean, certainly not someone you dislike.
1: No, not at all. Okay, Oh, she's great, but uh, not my favorite.
0: Not your favorite. I'm sorry. No. I, I wish we knew the Tina Fey formulation... To get you back in there, although I feel like again, uh, especially for uh, uh, some of the ladies' loves, it, it was a kind of a toss-up.
1: It was. Now, just a, if, can, can we can we redo it real quick just to humor me? What if I were to say uh, Ariana Grande and uh, Chris Brown? All right, because I hate a, them too. Although that... I hate everyone on this list. So,
0: <laughs> well, mm-hmm. not,
1: not Samuel Jackson. Not not Sam Jackson. And I don't hate uh, Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. I don't. I would not want to be his best friend, but
0: he's he's a good actor. All right, with Ariana Grande yes. and Chris Brown, uh-huh. we're getting Ellen DeGeneres. Ooh. Oh, no. It's, see, it's getting, I like...
1: It's getting worse. It's getting worse. <laughs> it's getting worse. I, I like Ellen, but I just, I wouldn't say
0: she's the favorite. I've I was, lost
1: all faith in BuzzFeed.
0: All right. Uh, I'm going to take the quiz really quick here. Um, okay. I'm going to have to go with uh, Lindsay Lohan. Okay. And uh, let's see. For Guy... It's You know, it's a little tougher. Um... I gotta go with Chris Brown. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go with Sandler. I, I, I Sandler. I, okay. I got Carrie Washington. This is BS. Buzzfeed. So get your quiz game back on. I'm very upset, Ben.
1: Well, how can two completely unrelated uh, answers both result in Carrie Washington? Unless
0: the point is just that everyone loves Carrie Washington. I mean, they're are they wrong? No, I suppose not. Is Carrie uh, Washington is someone that you can't deny that you respect her work? Certainly. Yes. All right, well, that just about does it, I think, for this episode of The Edifice of Artemis. disappointing quiz notwithstanding. Ben, how do you feel that Kerry Washington is now your favorite celeb?
1: Well, you know, I rely on BuzzFeed to tell me what to think, so um, BuzzFeed says that I'm fine with it.
0: Well, you'll, uh, I guess, have to catch up on a lot of scandal. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with that. Have fun with that. Any final words, Ben, before we take off?
1: Well, you know, as usual, uh, we're... Usually I say no, but this time the uh, recording here from uh, just outside Washington, D.C. on a very snowy day and so many people have no idea what snow looks like or how to behave in it. (laughs) I just have to take a moment to plead with the earth. Why are you digging out your car in a parking space to shovel the snow around it so you still can't go anywhere?
0: Listen. Why? People need goals. They need to be able to have some physical uh, show of work that they've done to try and make their situation better. Is it futile? Yes, but it's human nature, Ben. But you would never see anyone in Cleveland being that ignorant of winter weather. No, we're we're way more defeatist. Uh, <laughs> like if I see if I see six inches of snow out, I'm just calling off work. Like I, I'm not doing anything. I'm waiting for the sun to come out.
1: But you also wouldn't lead the Sisyphian rebellion. <laughs> against weather that is in the process of melting.
0: Sisyphus Rebellion is uh, going to be my new band name Ben I really r- genuinely appreciate that
1: and in 18 months more people will buy it than whatever comes out
0: this is true uh, also quick reminder uh, next week uh, we're going to have a live episode of the edifice of Artemis and if you want to check that out it's going to be at the Beachland Ballroom on Saturday January 30th from noon until 2 it's not going to go the full two hours we're only going to be on for an hour but check it out it's hosted by uh, Tim Cornez a local comedian does a really great job and does his own super special Saturday show there so come on down have some brunch see you live edifice of our demise or catch it in your podcast feed on monday when it will post it'll be a fun time we have some special guests lined up and uh you can do some day drinking while you're there fun times will be had by all so ben uh, i (laughs) guarantee not actually a guarantee uh so ben until next time we meet i guess the only thing left is to wish everyone to have a super sparkly day unless
1: the apocalypse or ignorance of snow gets you first
0: holler